0: Let us pray. Lord, we bow before you. We ask, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would move among us, setting us free by your truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Friends, if you uh, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 8 and verse 31, John 8 verse 31 on this Sunday after Easter, we're back in John's Gospel. And in the story, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem, his teaching has led many to uh, put their faith in him. Uh, Verse 30, right before our passage, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. But the question is, do they really believe? And so we pick up the story in verse 31 of chapter 8 of John's Gospel. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father they answered him Abraham is our father Jesus said to them if you were Abraham's children you would be doing what Abraham did but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God this is not what Abraham did you are doing what your father did they said to him we were not born of sexual immorality we have one father even God Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death the Jews said to him now we know that you have a demon Abraham died as did the prophets yet you say if anyone keeps my word he will never taste death are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died who do you make yourself out to be Jesus answered if I glorify myself my glory is nothing it is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God but you have not known him I know him if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Before Abraham was. I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Does it seem to you that it is becoming harder to know whether anyone is ever? Telling the truth. If you feel like that these days, you're not alone. The Oxford Dictionaries in 2016 declared that the word of that year was post truth. We do not have events. We have spin. We do not have facts. We have factoids. In days gone by, business deals are often sealed with a simple shake of the hand. Nowadays, they're signed in triplicate, but you sometimes wonder whether they're worth the paper that they're printed on. And in our personal lives, people make guarantees of commitment, but then renege on those commitments once new circumstances emerge that they think are more conducive to their own individual happiness. Oh yeah, in many ways it seems, doesn't it, that truth has become Your flexible friend massaged to suit your own version of events. We are told over and over again to tell your truth, not to tell the truth. And between those two statements, there is a world of difference. The reason why people are backing away from truth speaking is because they want the freedom to construct their lives any way they want. But actually, according to the text we're looking at this morning, that's wrong-headed. Freedom does not come from less truth but from the truth. And the text this morning is showing us that everyone can be set free when you hold on to the truth of Jesus' word. So if freedom matters to you, and I suppose it does to us all, if freedom matters to you, Then you will want to find out how you can be set free when you hold on to the truth of Jesus' word. There are two kinds of people in this text the slave and the free. First, the slave. The people that Jesus is talking with had believed in him, verse 31. At least apparently they've been listening to what Jesus is saying. And John is sufficiently impressed by their initial response to say many put their faith in him. They had believed in him. They had already accepted some of what he was saying and believed it. But as the story emerges, it's apparent they're still spiritual slaves. You know, habitual sin binds us with invisible chains as real and far worse than any physical iron shackles. Sow a thought, reap a deed, sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a destiny. Why had they become spiritual slaves? The, The descendants of Abraham, nonetheless. Well, the spiritual slave is entitled, deceived, and deadly. They were entitled. They said, we are the offspring of Abraham and never have been enslaved to anyone. You see, they thought that their status as the genetic descendants of Abraham gave them immunity from any kind of spiritual slavery. Of course, people today have similar feelings of entitlement. The school they attended, the family they grew up in. Is that you? Do you think you must be free because you were born an American? Or because you went to Wheaton College? They were entitled, but they were deceived. While they were genetically descended from Abraham, spiritually they were closer, Jesus says, to, 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 to the devil, to Satan. You are of your father the devil, Jesus said, verse 44. He is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is very bold here with his words. And the reason is that when you're in this situation, you almost need shock tactics to help you to see what is going on. You see, one of the main characteristics of someone in spiritual slavery is that they believe lies and cannot see The truth. The American uh, the the ambassador Charles Malik, a Lebanese Christian who had been President of the United Nations General Assembly, once said this. I must be frank with you. The greatest danger besetting American evangelical Christianity is the danger of anti intellectualism. The result is the arena of creative thinking is abdicated and vacated to the enemy. At the heart of the crisis in Western civilization lies the state of the mind and the spirit in the universities. Christ, being the light of the world, his light must be brought to bear on the problem of the formation of the mind of truth. But today there are so many lies all around us. One of the most common in the church is this. God's plan is to make you happy. That's his agenda, your happiness. And then, of course, how cruel is that idea when you do not feel happy? There must be something wrong with you if that's God's plan. God's plan is not to make you happy, His plan is to make you holy. C.S. Lewis, who said that after he first became a Christian for a while, everything was really quite comfortable. God came into the house of his life and everything was beautiful. And then, all of a sudden, God, as it were, began to shift things around. Knock out a wall here. Bring in the carpenters. Change this and that. And He began to realize that God had an agenda to turn his dirty little cottage of his life into a palace fit for a king. That's his plan for your life, to make you holy. One common area of deception today is the area of gender. The lie is... That gender is socially constructed. I was watching a TV interview uh, um, with a man who said that sexual gender distinction is an invention of modern Western society. You've probably come across such ideas yourself. They're increasingly common. But this is such a mistaken idea, it doesn't even rise to the category of being wrong. Gender distinction is genetically hardwired into not just humans, but animals, and fish, and crabs. It is not, factually not, a social construction. And to think it is a social construction is not only mistaken, it it is dangerous. Like, it is dangerous to think that gravity is socially constructed. I mean, sure, you can fly an airplane and sort of get around it, but gravity is not socially constructed. And there are ways that you can try to get around gender. But it is not socially constructed, it's hardwired into your physical nature. What about you? Are you deceived? Of course the problem with that question is by definition, if you are deceived you don't think you are. How do you tell? Well one way you tell is where it's going. They were entitled, they were deceived, and by the end, they're deadly. So they begin this conversation having believed, but by the end of the conversation with Jesus, they picked up stones to throw at him. That is, they're trying to kill him. Throwing large stones at someone until they are dead was the ancient equivalent of building a guillotine and putting someone's head on the block or setting up a lynch mob. Of course, we see the same sort of thing today. When someone is entitled and deceived, they move to the defensive, protest too much, become verbally violent, and then even physically violent. If someone refuses to bake a cake for a certain kind of wedding. Then they are hauled up before a court and their business is threatened. Behind all this is a neo-Marxist agenda. In its essence is the same as that which dominated the Maoist regime that killed millions of people. Here's the thought process. Any claim to truth is a claim to power. For there is no truth. Therefore, anyone who makes an absolute claim to absolute truth is making an absolutely dangerous power move, and therefore they must be removed. first socially and then by legal fiat and by violence, if necessary, at the end. But of course, what is seldom noticed is that those who advance that kind of agenda end up themselves, surprise, surprise, in the most powerful positions in the new society they invent. Who would have thought it? We need to read George Orwell again. His 1984 famous dystopian novel of a future where there is a ministry of truth whose role is to propagate propaganda and lies. Or his animal farm. Where all the animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. What about you? Are you a slave to sin? Are you bound by habits that you cannot break? Are you resting on your entitled background of race? Or schooling, to deceive yourself and avoid conviction. Are you feeling deadly towards anyone who brings these things into the light? What well, if that is the spiritual slave? How then do you become free? It's the real question, isn't it? First, the slave. second now, the free. The free remain, belong, and rejoice. Verse 31, if you abide in my word, abide or remain, it's the same idea, abide or remain in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Remaining or abiding in Jesus' word means holding on to the word, Sticking by the word, not leaving the word, relying on the word. Early in his life, uh, Billy Graham faced a spiritual crisis. A good friend of his called Charles Templeton had uh, gone off to uh, get some graduate study and had come across the latest ideas. Uh, Not really very new, but they were new to him that seemed to undermine the authority of Scripture and had bought into that framework about the Bible and was now trying to persuade Billy also to move aside from trusting Scripture and to to grow up to the modern age. And it produced a spiritual crisis of Billy Graham. He was preaching at a uh, camp down in California and he took time to go out into the woods in that camp. He laid the Bible down on a tree trunk, knelt, and said to God that he would take God at his word. And ever after that, Billy Graham was famous for his repeated refrain, The Bible says, the Bible says, took place in 1949 just before his famous LA crusade are you remaining in God's word or are you drifting I know there are many questions that are being asked about the authority of the Bible but I have found that those questions is nothing compared to the answers in the Bible Will you go out to the woods this afternoon or find a quiet place, kneel, and say to God that you will take him at his word? It will set you free. The Bible says, this is the man I esteem, says the Lord, he who is humble and contrite in heart and trembles at my word. tremble at God's word. That's how to be a man that he esteems, God esteems. The free remain and the free belong, verse 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. So the free have a relationship with God. They are God's children. They know God. They belong to God. They are of God. They're not resting on entitlement. They're resting in God. Uh, J.I. Packer's famous book, Knowing God, towards the beginning of that book, has a story. And in the story, Packer tells of a particular professor who came to see him, and they were going for a walk, and this professor had been let go. He, He had lost his job. Because of a decision he made to stick to the Bible. And Packer records that conversation. As the professor talked to Packer about this sad eventuality, having lost his job, the professor nonetheless said this But it doesn't matter because I have known God and they have not. That is freedom. Being of God, in Christ, belonging to God. Nothing can touch you. You're His. You belong to Him. Do you know God? Do you belong to God? The free remain, the free belong, and the free rejoice. Verse 56, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So there's Abraham. He's looking ahead to the fulfillment of the promises that he has received. And he's rejoicing that one day all those promises will be fulfilled in the one who is to come. In the promised one. In the Messiah. In the day of Jesus. And so a Hallmark of the spiritually free is joy. Now, do not misunderstand this, my friends. That does not mean that a godly Christian is never sad any more than Jesus was never sad. He was called man of sorrows. Christianity is aware of the cross. We must take up our cross and follow him. There there is no promise in the Bible for the Christian of being perpetually on an emotional high. But even when the godly are sad, they have something to look forward to. For the joy set before him, he went to the cross. And we too have something to look forward to, Christ and his return. And the coming dawn of that eternal grace gives a foretaste of joy that can lighten even the darkest night. Yeah, there is joy. C.S. Lewis tells the story of how he discovered joy in his autobiography, surprised by joy. He'd been searching for joy in pagan literature and atheism. To his great surprise, he found joy in Christ. You can have that joy too. Joy comes from putting Jesus first, then serving others, and then finally yourself. And we so often have it the other way around. We put yourself first, then others, and then finally Jesus gets the leftovers. Jesus first, then others, then yourself spells J-O-Y, joy. Yourself first, then others, and last Jesus just spells Yodge. Uh, many so called believers have yodge, not joy. They have not yet realized that joy comes from putting Christ first, that joy comes to the one who sacrifices their life for Jesus, for the mission of God, that joy comes from the one who serves in the basement with the children. The joy comes to the one who humbly is in the background that no one notices, serving Jesus. That joy, as Abraham so long ago realized, comes from him, from God, from Jesus. It's a spiritual matter, it's a matter of the soul. It's about a personal regeneration, renewal, restoration, recalibration, and that comes from Jesus and it gives joy. The free remain, belong, and rejoice. So do you find it's becoming harder to know whether anyone is ever speaking the truth? Everyone can be set free when you hold on to the truth of Jesus' word. No wonder so many people are enslaved today and in bondage and in habits they cannot break because we're losing sight of the truth. The spiritual slave is entitled, deceived and deadly. The free remain in God's word, belong to God, and rejoice in Christ. Everyone can be set free when you hold on to the truth of Jesus' word. And therefore, would you today commit to hold on to Jesus' word? Would you speak it boldly? Would you believe it wholly? And be set free. Our Father God, we bow before you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to be undeceived, that you have come to make us holy, not just live on a momentary, quick fix. Happiness high, but to be rebuilt into a palace fit for a king. Oh Lord, would you break those invisible shackles that bind us? If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Oh Lord Jesus, come set. Many free this morning, I pray. Break their bondages. Open their eyes to see truth. Grant them the supreme joy of knowing you and following you and sacrificing their lives for you and for something that will last forever. I pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.